Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Let me read to you from, or let me pray, and uh, then let me read to you from the, the Bible. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person here tonight. God, um, I can speak for a few minutes, but only you can really do a work in the human heart. And so that's what we're looking for. That's what we're always looking for is for you, God, to be intimately at work, Lord, in our lives. Lord, I pray tonight you'd do things that nobody saw coming in our lives. Good works. Lord, encourage the discouraged, strengthen the weak, continue to build the strong, challenge us, encourage us, inspire us, open our eyes to see things that you want to see for each of our lives and what you want to get done in the earth in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts 17 verse 1 says this. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis, that's how you say it, isn't it, Mike? Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. I mean, just pause, how incredible that here Paul was opening the Bible to people um, and explaining to them Jesus, not from what he'd seen, but from what Scripture had recorded hundreds and even thousands of years earlier that was now coming to pass before their very eyes. I mean, that is an incredible thought. So Paul starts to speak to them from the Bible and the prophecies, the predictions that it had made. And he reasoned to them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. And, and some of them were persuaded. And a great multitude of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded became envious. It's interesting, isn't it? Sometimes people, just because they have an agenda, stir up trouble. They became envious. They took some of the evil men or the um, troublemakers, depending on the version, from the marketplace and gathering a mob set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, being Paul and Silas, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, and I love these words, listen to them. These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Don't you love that? These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. I mean, I don't want to be a weird Christian, but I do want to be a follower of Jesus. And the fact is that they had, whether they, well, in really, in some ways, they'd actually turned the world right side up. But upside down, whatever, they'd, they'd, they'd gone into cities, they'd gone into villages, they'd gone into communities, they'd preached the message of Jesus, they, and they saw people come to faith in him, they saw people's lives transformed, they saw churches starting to pop up, little gatherings of people. Little did they know that this local rebellion would turn into a global movement that would transform the world and shape the world as we know it but they were described as people who turned the world upside down I'm not sure about you I'd like for someone at least at the end of their life I'd like someone to be able to say well Darren by his 
life, by his example, by his preaching, was involved in God turning my world upside down. Wouldn't you like that to be said of you if you're a follower of Jesus, if you believe in him? That somewhere, someone at some point would be able to say, man, that person was involved in God turning my world, well, right side up, not upside down, but just, just being about a change. And so this message is called, um, I'm going to come to it, but they were ruined for normal and they were living on mission. Whatever their lives had been, they would not be at this point and never be again. They'd just been ruined to live any other way than turn the world upside down. Awakened to God, I've put here, they were ruined for normal. I think that's where God wants anyone who believes in Jesus to live. Just awaken to God and ruin for normal. Not Again, not we're just ruined for a normal way of living. God's got something way beyond that. Um, something had shifted on the inside and it was showing up, showing up everywhere. Um, changed by God, they were on mission for Jesus. Uh, um, uh, life's normal pursuits were relegated. Living for the weekend was relegated. Living to just build a comfortable lifestyle was relegated. Nothing wrong with a comfortable lifestyle, nothing wrong with loving the weekend, but it wasn't the biggest thing on their priority list anymore. You know, building a super fund for retirement was no longer the driving force in their life, as important as that is, as wise as that is. All these things had been moved down a few notches, building a career of choice, focusing on retirement, generally living for themselves and building their own lives just would not cut it for them anymore. They might be involved in these pursuits, but they were not defined by them, and they certainly were not ultimately driven by them. Something had gone on that meant life as they knew it would never be the same again. Ruined for normal and awakened to more. Uh, Don't you want to live there? Does something like just even within you tell you that normal doesn't quite cut it? Like we, we intuitively know that, right? I, I look at the world around me, the world that I live in, and I look at people living normal lives and that's great, but, but I reckon deep down most people that I know, it doesn't quite cut it. You can see it in their eyes. You hear it in their speech. If it did cut it, they wouldn't need any more. Yes. But for most people, the way they're living, normal, it doesn't quite cut it. In the church, I think it's a bit the same. I think that we've been handed a normal in our culture, that we would say is normal to be a Christian. And I would suggest to you that it doesn't quite cut it. I would suggest to you that there's a kind of Christian way of living. It's not wrong, but it's not fulfilling. It, it, it just doesn't cut it. And so my hope for you and I is that we would leave here even more restless about settling for normal, even more restless about that kind of thing about being ruined for normal and awakened to God and awakened to, awakened to more. If God wanted us to be normal, I've written here, he wouldn't have given us the Bible. It's pretty radical. I mean, commentators like to pluck out a few crazy verses from Leviticus that had context in their time. But the Bible is a radical, radical book. I mean, the teachings of Jesus are so wild, so radical, that they haven't dated. They're still as revolutionary as ever. No one's looking at the teachings of Jesus going, well, forgiving your enemies won't work in our age. No, Jesus, Jesus the, the, one of the reasons that Jesus is so compelling about being the Son of God is that his teachings haven't dated with time. Teachings of Muhammad, the teachings of, you know, all the other guys, well, I'm going to name them, mainly because I can't think of them, all of the other guys, they date. These incredibly good-looking clothes that you see, cutting edge, 
in terms of fashion? Well, unfortunately, at some point, date or have. Um, they'll date. But the teachings of Jesus are as compelling, as transformational, uh, as revolutionary now as they were in the day that he, he taught them. If God wanted us to be normal, he wouldn't have given us the Bible. If God wanted us to be normal, he wouldn't have given Christians his spirit. He said, I'm going to leave my spirit that they might have what? Power. Comes That word power comes from the word dynamis, which is where we get the word dynamite. If God wanted Christians to be normal in the usual tradition of society, he would not have given us the Bible and he certainly would not have suggested or promised his spirit to people. I doubt he would have promised supernatural gifts. I doubt he would have promised his supernatural miracles. Why would he do that if he wanted us to be normal? We could have just continued on, worship God in some you know, distant sort of foreign way. If God wanted us to be normal, he wouldn't have called us to a global mission to make disciples. He just wouldn't have done that. It's not normal. But what he's done is given us his word. What he's done is given his people his spirit. What he's done is called them to a global mission because once a person makes a decision to follow Jesus, put their trust in what he's done, surrenders to who he is, we're meant to be ruined for normal for the rest of our lives. And it's such a great place to live. It's a liberating place to live. Some people will tell you that it's not. Some people who settle on the fringes would tell you, don't go there, don't risk that. And I would suggest to you that the only thing I want to do is live more there, not less. More ruined for normal. More awakened to God. More awakened to more, not less. Let's face it, normal's kind of overrated. So ruined for normal. Listen to this from the Bible. We, we get our tone, the tone of the Christian life from Jesus. It says this, it says, um, if you're taking notes, Matthew 13. Verses 44 to uh, 46. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all that he had and brought that field. I like that. He was wise enough not to tell the owner. He went and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. It's, it's the idea here from Jesus about the kingdom of heaven on earth, the way we live out this life is to go, man, once you've found this thing called you know, the kingdom of heaven, once you've come to a knowledge of Jesus, what he's done, who he is, all he calls us to, once you come to that place, you have found the fine pearl. The, the search in life is now over and the only thing left to work out is how I'm going to approach it. Yeah. If you are post the cross, made a decision for Jesus, the only question we have to work out really is am I going to go on living normal or am I going to be ruined for that and awaken to God? That's the question post the cross. And so I want to look at this with you tonight. People ruined for normal, made for more. Here's the first thought around this. They, they come to this. John chapter 6, verses 66 to 69, it says, it might be coming on the screen, I think. From this time, so Jesus has upset the crowd. I love it. Pastors, we, we can get obsessed with crowds, but Jesus... He could care less. So we want to take our lead from him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. He, he did say something kind of weird, just for the record, until you understood it. You do not want to leave, oh, you do not want to leave too, do you? I tried to say that sentence so many times this afternoon. Like, 
You do not want to leave too, do you? I'm not sure how to say it. Is it? That's it? Great. We're on the same page. I'm ruined for normal. I can't even say sentences normal anymore. Jesus asked the 12, listen to this next question. Simon Peter, uh, sorry, uh, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And then it goes on. This little scene absolutely wrecked my life. Because there were times early in my faith, the only reason I was honestly in church was I didn't want to go to hell before I knew that God was good, before I knew that God loved me, before I knew about favor and blessing and purpose. The only reason I was there was my mind was on eternity. And I remember I'd read this scripture and go, oh, the options that I tell myself I have, I don't really have. Because I've come to the place where Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. And so now the only thing to work out is am I going to be like Peter and go, well, if, if that's it, if I've found the pearl of great price, if you are the living Christ, if you are the promised saviour of the world, if you are God come in the flesh, desire for the sins of humanity, be resurrected from the grave to live eternally, if you are that God, where else do we go? This is it. And I thank God so many times over my life that I found that out at 21 and not at 85. Thank God I get a chance to live that life now and so do you, even if you are 85. Got to come to this. This is a profound place to come to, an extraordinary place to live from. This changes everything as we know it. So let me give you something else. Here's a starting place for living this out, you know, ruined to normal, awakened to God. Uh, the Bible says this. So here's what I want you to do from the message translation. God helping you. He makes it so easy. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You got that? You're sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life. So take that and then it says, and place it before God as an offering. Like it's going, God, here I am. I'm yours. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. What an incredible promise. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. What is to resist there? But I love the way that he says, hey, normal's done. But in one sense, nothing needs to change. As a starting point, it's, it's, it's a change of the what. It's not a change of the what, it's simply changing the why. It's like, made a decision for Jesus, I went to work yesterday, I'm going to work tomorrow. I lived in this house yesterday, made a decision for Jesus, I'm going to live in that house tomorrow. Whatever was, it's going to be. But the what hasn't changed, but the why has. I'll put it here. Same place, same people, higher purpose. That's what's happened. If you're not there yet, that can happen this very day. But right now, if you know Jesus, same place, same people, higher purpose. Listen again, Jesus has just cast a demon out of a man. That's messy. And the man comes to Jesus and listen to the, the conversation. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. So he's in his right mind now. He wants to go with Jesus. Who wouldn't? And in fact, today we'd probably write a book, take him on a world tour. Fill, fill arenas with him. But listen to what Jesus did. Jesus says, go home to your own people 
and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man, he, he went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. That's the shift. Ruined for normal, awakened to God, ready for more. I just go back with a different why. You and I wait tomorrow. Maybe the why's already sent, but, but just going, hey, you know what? I don't need to go and do anything spectacular. I remember years ago, we were visiting Bronze hometown, my brother and I. And I don't know where my brother saw this thing. And uh, if he listens to the podcast, I love you, Marcus. And, um, but, but him and a friend of mine decided to get a cross on wheels. Do you remember this? And walk down the street with it. Like, that's going to help people like Jesus. And so they walked down. I didn't even want to be near them. Well, like, you guys can do that, but I'm heading off over there. I'll grab myself a coffee. Let me know when you're done. You know, ruined for normal doesn't mean turning to weird. Ruined for normal means that we've been remade for purpose. And so it's just about going to our everyday life, the same people, the same place, higher purpose. When, you know, when I was young, I wanted to play footy. I loved footy. I mean, I used to go to the supermarket with my football. I used to go everywhere, always, even as a young guy, before I got married, I always had a football in the car. If I stopped anywhere, I could kick it and play, and it didn't matter. I always had a football in the car. I loved football. And then when I became a follower of Jesus, I still loved football, but his purpose was relegated. If you've ever seen a football game, there's a, like the pre-game huddle, you know, and in that huddle... They have more cliches in a four-minute period than any place on the face of the planet. And so I remember having become a Christian, being in a huddle on grand final day, which was always a big deal if you loved footy. And the guys were just churning out cliches. I always remember it. And one of them's like, this 80 minutes is going to matter for the rest of your life. And they're all like, yeah. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> I was actually trying not to laugh because I knew it was not appropriate. But I'm like, this isn't going to matter for the rest of my life. We've got a bunch of grown men, got a piece of ball with air in it, and we're separated by different colours that we're wearing. This is not going to define too much beyond this moment, as long as I don't get injured. Everything changes. I don't know what it is for you, but God wants to ruin you for normal. I still love footy. I still played, but it had a higher purpose. The last year I played, actually, my coach, I wasn't planning to play because I was turning 40 and you should be retired by then and my coach was at the ground there was a few people around milling around and he said come on play one more year I went, I'm not playing and he went no no play one more year so I'm not playing he said play one more year and I'll go to church I said all right I'll play <laughs> higher purpose I mean I played all year he came to church one time <laughs> wasn't a fair deal except that God can take the seed of the one time and do more with that than I can do in a whole year well maybe not more than I can do in a whole year but most footballers can do in a whole year Here's a thought. If you, want, if you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. But if you don't want that, do what the few people have so you can do and see what only the few people do. And I'd love you to go there tonight. I'd love us to journey there. I'd love us to leave here tonight and that you would be convinced if you weren't already, and I look around and many of you are already, that we would be convinced that we wouldn't do what the normal people do so that we get what normal people get, but that we would be those who do what the few people do, that we might get what the few people get as God works in our life. So here's some thoughts on what the few do. Not that the normal don't, but, or not that the normal can't, but that the normal won't. Number one, the few take the Bible seriously. 
I know you know this thought, many of you. I just want to pause here for a moment. The few take the Bible seriously. I think this is, this is like, this is the, you can't get around this. There's no way around this. Take the Bible seriously. It's the power to transform the human heart. It's the way to build a life. I cannot tell you how much this has played into everything we have seen happen over the years. That, that, that just going, this is it. The Bible is my authority. I'm going to take it seriously. Bron and I took the Bible so seriously before we were married that we didn't sleep with anyone else. One of the best decisions I've ever made is what the Bible says. And I want to take it seriously. There's incredible blessing in that. Now, I'm not judging anyone for anything. But I'm telling you, the only way to live is to take it seriously. Live it at what it says. Or do what everybody else does. And have what everybody else gets. Or be the few. The few take the Bible seriously. Number two, the few think differently. I want to show you a quick video. I've only got a few minutes. I just want to show you a quick video. Um, Let's watch this on the screen. He had a challenge for me. He had built a special bicycle and he wanted me to try to ride it. He had only changed one thing. When you turn the handlebar to the left, the wheel goes to the right. When you turn it to the right, the wheel goes to the left. I thought this would be easy, so I hopped on the bike ready to demonstrate how quickly I could conquer this. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Destin Salmon. First attempt riding the bicycle. I couldn't do it. You can see that I'm laughing, but I'm actually really frustrated. In this moment, I had a really deep revelation. My thinking was in a rut. This bike revealed a very deep truth to me. I had the knowledge of how to operate the bike, but I did not have the understanding. I do not make definitive statements that often, but I'm telling you right now, you cannot ride this bicycle. You might think you can, but you can't. I know this because I'm often asked to speak at universities and conferences and I take the bike with me. It's always the same. People think they're going to try some trick or they're just going to power through it. It doesn't work. Your brain cannot handle this. So here's what I did. It was a personal challenge. I stayed out here in this driveway and I practiced about five minutes every day. My neighbors made fun of me. I had many wrecks, but after eight months, this happened. One day I couldn't ride the bike and the next day I could. It was like I could feel some kind of pathway in my brain that was now unlocked. It was really weird though. It's like there's this trail in my brain, but if I wasn't paying close enough attention to it, my brain would easily lose that neural path and jump back onto the old road it was more familiar with. Any small distractions at all, like a cell phone ringing in my pocket, would instantly throw my brain back to the old control algorithm and I would wreck. But at least I could ride it. There you go. I think if we're going to not live the way everybody else lives, and then choose the few, the way we've got to think differently. We have to unlearn and renew some things. Then yes. unlearn some things, got to renew some things. Um, interesting, that guy took eight months. He's gone all around the world. No one can ride the bike. Dave Norton, you cannot ride the bike. All right? I've tried to ride the bike. I know that doesn't carry much weight or credibility, but I've tried to ride the bike. You can't ride the bike. Eight months it took him. Every day he practiced for eight months. Do you know what happened at the end of eight months? He couldn't ride a normal bike. <laughs> True story. Couldn't do it anymore. He'd rewired his brain. And so the Bible comes along in Romans 12, um, verse 1 and 2, and says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Wow. Well, before guys understood neuro- neurological pathways, the Bible did. 
And so the thought comes to, here's my question for you. You're thinking around the things of God. Is it more informed by culture or is it more informed by Scripture? I tell you, this is big in the time we live. The Bible told us it would be. Is it more informed by culture or is it more informed by Scripture? Because one moves us towards the normal of everybody else and one awakens us to God and awakens us to more. To break from the normal, I need to unlearn some things. And I need to renew my thinking. Just take another look. Where, where in your life would you say you just need to take another look at the way we think? Where would it be for you? Um, I had to take another look recently at the way I thought about some things. I realized that my tone sounded arrogant. I realized tonight it sounds incredibly humble. It's been transformed overnight. <laughs> but, no, but I realized, I realized that... I didn't know if it was my heart or my tone. Either way, I needed to make some adjustments in my heart and in my tone. I just had to take another look. I needed to... And you know one of the things? Here's one of the things. I'd been watching this show called The Circus. It's on American politics. And Donald Trump would come out and, and, and he would take 100 years of tradition. All the Republican candidates do the same forum, right? And the day before, he'd just turn up and go, I'm not doing that. I'm going to have my own forum down the road. And he'd go down the road and all the media would go with him and they'd just be left to do their thing. That had been, and, and I realised that some of that like, just very direct, very quick thinking had just slipped into the way I thought and spoke and led. And I, I noticed that culture had just had a little grab at me. I had to go, no, no, what does Scripture say here? Scripture tells me to be humble. And you'll look at the transformation today and go, wow, that is stunning, right? Like, I'm only kidding, obviously. Where is it for you? Where is it for you? There are some things to unlearn that are so ingrained in the way we do that hold at bay everything God has for us. I think some people have some unlearning to do around the way they approach church. Unlearning to do around the way they approach finance, the way we approach relationships, the way we approach you know, work, the way we approach all kinds of things. Just some unlearning to do and some renewing to happen. So as I wrap, I just want to encourage you in that. That this week we might just do some of the, you know, the thing about that is it wasn't instant. It took eight months of every day. The renewing of our minds is much the same. It's not going to wake up tomorrow and go, wow, that guy is humble. But over the course of time, if we keep turning up, renewing our minds with the right things, unlearning some other things, we will see the change happen in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right. God bless you. Have a great week. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.